And welcome back, y'all, to Rosie on the House. Where Jennifer and I are just recovering from a trip to the East Coast where we ate in fine restaurants that were built as homes 274 years ago. That was a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Lots of history in that room. That was a lot of history in that room. The original floors. The original floors. If a building could talk, the Elk Ridge Furnace Inn. Built in 1874. Well, we're here talking about your house in Arizona. If you have any question about any project you're trying to tackle, you can call toll-free. At the top of the hour, we cleared all the lines, took all the people that were on hold and got their questions. I know Bill had a question about garage door we didn't get to answer. Bill, if you want to try and ring back in, I promise as soon as you show up, we'll get to you. Any of the rest of you homeowners that want to talk to us, give us a ring at one triple eight. 767-4348, and we'll do everything we can to put our building experience in Arizona to work for you. You know, Jennifer mentioned it earlier in the show today. She, we, We're asked all the time, would we ever consider taking the show national? And I'll tell you, when I travel and I go to places that aren't in the Sun Belt, uh, places like Washington, D.C., Bethesda, Maryland, where we were this past week, um, they had temperature. The week before we got there, they had temperatures of nine degrees. I didn't even have clothes to bring for that. I was going to have to borrow some. Yeah, we, we were going to have to go clothes shopping <laughs> just to have the appropriate uh, uh, wear. I, I could wear all my snow skiing stuff, but I, that's hardly appropriate for walking into a business meeting, right? I, I had no clothes for nine degrees. So by the time we got here, it was a pleasant 32. I, we hardly saw freezing, but a morning or two got to the high 50s, low 60s. So we timed all that just perfectly. But you sit down in these homes where these remodelers are working, where you're looking at granite block foundations. You're looking at uh, electrical systems and plumbing systems that are older than the state of Arizona. <laughs> You're looking at roofs and windows and heating and cooling systems that are 150, 175. Like I said, we ate dinner in a in the Elk Ridge Furnace Inn that was 274 years old. And when you take a look at all the homes, the thousands of homes that I've remodeled in Arizona, and you average their age all together, you come up with an age of 13 years old. The average home we remodel is 13 years old. Now, the oldest home we've ever remodeled was actually the old Casablanca Inn mm. in Paradise Valley when they converted it from an inn and resort to individual condos. We actually went in there and did quite a bit of the work converting many of those units into uh, permanent homes. And that was all originally built with Adobe in the early 1900s. So that was a very interesting project. We we loved working on that. But that's that is absolutely the oldest home I've ever touched. We did a historic old home up in Flagstaff on Butler, just west of City Hall, for a family in Phoenix who owned it up there, and and it was a beautiful, uh, lots of woodwork, paneling, wainscoting. Um, it was a gorgeous home. We really enjoyed doing that, but. Um, I just wouldn't be able to answer questions from Alice 
in Cleveland who had a question about her oil-fired furnace. So we'll just stick to Arizona. We love Arizona, and we love helping you, the Arizona homeowners. If you've got a question, you want to give us a call, one 767 4348 We'll put you in touch with us for the next 50 minutes. Now, last hour, we just touched briefly, and we can't even touch this subject without it causing a, uh, a little flare-up. Every time we touch the subject, we get several phone calls on it. Must be APS. It's the APS rate that we were trying to talk people through the last hour just briefly, and we got a call from a Christine who says that, look, APS is petitioning the Corporation Commission to lower their rates because of the new tax bill that uh, President Trump and his buddies got through. But but that's a completely different issue from the rate change that went through last summer. So don't confuse the two things. They're completely separate items, and we will keep you all posted. Now, we publish a calendar for the first time ever. You can get it by... You can email us at info at rosyonthehouse.com and let us know you want one, and the next batch will be going out uh, like this week. So if you want to catch catch it soon, you can get us get us an email. Well, it's, it, it's free. We mail it to you. It has talking points uh, each month that coincide with our broadcast. And we're as we do the broadcast, we're building those out so that you can just um, you can actually go on to our website. It lives there digitally, and you can click through to to the podcast, to any articles we have, to past FAQs we have, any information we have to build that out. So it's a very content heavy calendar about Arizona home ownership. So I saw the last bunch that went out. Why are we mailing to Oklahoma and Wisconsin and Vermont? <laughs> well, the guy from Oklahoma <laughs> called a couple weeks ago. He said, you know, Jennifer, I live in Oklahoma, but would you send me one? I was driving through to Las Vegas, and I heard your show, and I have been listening t- from Oklahoma every since. So I said, how can I say no? <laughs> Maybe he's, maybe he'll be a snowbird someday and come okay. out and join us, right? Good, good. Well, in that calendar, we set the topic of what the shows will be about each week. And we've divided it up into 12 major segments called months. <laughs> Funny how that works with a calendar. Uh. And for January, it's the outdoor living, gardening, and hardscape month. And we, in the 10 o'clock hour... Anytime that we have a particular topic, have been bringing in experts to talk about that topic in great detail. And we've had Nathan Angel in to talk about pavers, vertical walls, the element product lines, the pizza ovens, the fire pits, the fireplaces, the outdoor kitchens and, and, and barbecues, the different types of pavers and how to install them, the permeable pavers that we're going to talk just a little bit more about today. And today we wanted to talk about sustainable backyard landscaping. And this is, all of you that subscribe to our e-newsletter, this is what came to your email box just this past week. Five ways to make your desert yard more sustainable. Not just in water use, but that's where we're going to get get a, a, a big part of our conversation going. The first thing we'd like you to do is we're going to try and get you to design and install a yard that's about as low a maintenance as possible, all right? 
And low water use as well. And low water use. So the first thing we're going to have you consider for that sustainable landscaping is let's design a desert-style landscape as opposed to that Midwest. Lush green lawn. Lush green look. We're in the desert. Let's live with the desert. We encourage you to use a design that's called xeriscaping. And that's using plants that are either native to our Sonoran Desert or do really, really well in our arid Sonoran Desert. So we want you to be thinking about things that are succulents, low water use, and don't require a lot of trimming or hedging or fertilizing or care. They can be existing happily in your yard just the way it is because they were living there in your yard before the graders came and plowed them under to create space for your house. So design a desert-style landscaping. It's called xeriscaping. You know, we, we would encourage you, in generally speaking, to avoid the tropical p- plants. Um, I'm Well, you know, Jay always says, Jay Harper, our regular guest, um, in the 8 o'clock hour, always says, if you don't see it growing here, there's probably a reason. So even if you miss something or you'd like to try something, do, do your research. You know, and if it's not here, then maybe look into what it does require and be certain that you can create that environment. For instance, avocado trees, you know, we love avocados here and how great the plant looks, but they don't do really great here. It's too hot and it's too cold. Greg Peterson was talking about that in the 8 o'clock hour. With the fruit trees and stuff. Just one, yeah. one of the tough trees to grow but there's others <laughs> well and there's pl- there's flowers that you know a lot of people like the azaleas and the hydran- hydrangeas <laughs> can't even say them, much less grow them but um there's just things that we would love to have and we but we can't or you know and jay says as soon as i tell somebody you can't grow that there they show up at my nursery or at my doorstep saying look i grew this right. but just know it's going to be a challenge and it may take more water than you're willing to expend or that's really prudent so the zero escaping avoids those tough plants that are growing. It's not to say you can't create a microclimate and create that space and that little micro area that'll do well, but you've got to you've got to be willing to work really hard at it. Then the next step in the desert style xeriscaping is consider shade trees and several shade trees. It doesn't mean it all has to be cactus. It can be big shade trees. Of course, the native mesquites and the Palo Verdes, there's about 20 different varieties of each that can all do really, really well. And be strategic with where you plant those trees to try and capture the shade in strategic areas like the south and the west side of your home, in particular the west side of your home. Try and create a shaded environment. These trees can get really big, massive, and they won't need to be put on a permanent water or dripping system because they've lived here happily for thousands and thousands of years. If, and once a month we have John Eisenhower in of Integrity Tree, and he always comes in with his favorite tree of the month. And we, we um, post those each month, but that'll give you a good idea what would do well here as well. Other trees that do well, other than the native mesquites and Palo Verdes, are the ash, the elm, the pistache, and the oak. All beautiful, big, shade, canopy trees that do great in Arizona.
back at Rosie on the house. Come on into my house. Come in and make yourself comfortable. We're talking sustainable backyard landscaping and what you can do to not only reduce the water consumption at your home, but also to reduce the maintenance of landscaping at your home. But while we're in the middle of that topic, we've got Nick and Shirley and Bob and Kurt and Ted all on hold. Let's see if we can jump to a couple calls. Yeah, let me throw in one little piece of information for the calendar. Sweet Jennifer, yes, ma'am. I've had lots of people call in during the show Uh and ask for the calendar because they don't use the computer, and that's why they're so excited about the calendar. So if you would like one, uh, just give us a call here, and we'll write it down and get you on the list to have your calendar shipped out at the end of the month. Well, we better take some of these calls so we got an open line. That's true. Let's go for it. Let's bring Nick into the conversation. Nick, good morning. Welcome to Rosie on the House. Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good. So um, I just had a question. Um, I've got cement floors. We took up the carpet years ago, and we painted over them with concrete paint. Um, Now the wife wants tile in the house. So I'm trying to figure out if I can go straight over that painted concrete, or do I need to rough it up or do something with it before I, you know, throw down the tile. Did you use uh, a strict uh, acrylic paint, or was it a concrete stain? Uh, it was a concrete stain I got from the big box store. Okay, if it was a penetrating concrete stain, chances are you're going to be able to lay right over the top of that. If it was an actual paint, then we'd have to do an assessment of how tight it's down and what we're going to have to do to prime it or prep it. But okay. uh, chances are if it's a stain, and, and did you ever wax the floor? Lots of people will stain their floors and then wax them. No, we, di- we didn't wax it. Uh, we just left it as is. Very good. Well, I would tell you, have your wife go pick out the tile that she wants with the grout color, and I'd go into a. You're going to have to clean the floor, so let's get it cleaned with a good concrete cleaner and make sure okay. we rinse and mop all the residue off of it. But I'd go into a, a an area that's a closet or something, and I'd, I'd lay that floor and let it completely dry and cure. cure. Uh, give it a couple weeks and watch it. Just make sure you can go in there and knock on the tile with your knuckle and it doesn't sound hollow as if it's delaminating from the slab. That'd be one way I'd do it. The other way you could do it is you could call any of the Rosie certified flooring contractors in your area and, you know, they may charge you a couple bucks to come by and take a look at it and give you an assessment and actually tell you how to do it. Um, you know, may charge you a service fee for that, but that'd be the other way. I'd uh, that, That's what I'd do. I'd call one of my guys and say, hey, come come take a look at it and tell me what I need to do. Give me actual product names and stuff. But okay. the fact that you stained it is probably going to work to your advantage. Okay, I'll go ahead and do that. Would it be a bad idea to go ahead and throw a natural over it or just uh, have someone assess it? To throw a what over it? Like the etching, uh, concrete etcher? Yeah, if it, it, any concrete cleaner will probably etch that surface just a little bit. Okay. It's going to be kind of an acid base uh, that that cre- that pulls the cream off the top and kind of exposes the aggregate just a little bit. Okay, great. I appreciate your time. Okay, well, good luck on the project. How about if we bring Shirley into the conversation? Shirley, good morning. Good morning, Jennifer and Rosie. And um, I have a question about critters in my yard. Oh. I don't know if them if it's mice or if it's rats, but um, after paying eight thousand dollars to put down artificial turf last year, um, now I'm finding you walk across the yard and you'll feel 
that something's borrowed underneath. It sinks oh, in different man. areas. There's like three different areas. And there's also areas around plants that is just soil, um, plain soil, and you can see the holes there where they've burrowed in. Um, I've been trying to poison them for four months, and uh, I don't know if it's really helping. It doesn't seem to be. Uh, I think it might be minimizing it, but I don't know if it's really getting rid of them. And um, I'm just wondering, you know, what else can I do? No oh, one told boy. me about this when they bought when I bought the <laughs> the artificial oh, turf. Well, have you checked with the contractor? Uh, you know, I did call and they never returned the call, so I oh. never bothered. They're they're in I'm in uh, just north of of uh, Tucson in Oro Valley, and uh, I guess they're out of Phoenix. You're not uh, getting any help from them, huh? I didn't get any response. No. Now, you're familiar with our radio show. Are you familiar with our website, Rosie on the House? Uh, I haven't used that, no, quite honestly. Okay. Well, I would encourage you to get to the computer, go to rosieonthehouse.com. You'll type in your zip code, and then it asks you what do you want to talk to, or what contract do you want to talk to, and you just say pest control, and there will be three or four in there who – I'm sorry, I was looking up artificial grass for her, but oh. I should have been looking up yeah. pest control for Yeah, her. let's find pest control. Okay. Keep talking, we'll find it for her. It's going to be university, you know, pest control. Well, It'll be one. Rosie, R-O-S-I-E, right? R-O-S-I-E, dot com. And I have a couple for you here. Um, university is 886-4146. Eight eight six. Yeah, okay. and then Gecko Pest Management okay. is five seven nine one seven zero one. One seven zero one. There you go. I didn't know it was going to be this expensive to maintain. You know, artificial grass. <laughs> oh, that's a heartbreak, Miss Shirley. Let's get them out there and get them controlled and protect that investment you've got. Appreciate the call. Welcome to RosieOnTheHouse.com. Use that website often. It's always free. Bob, Kurt, and Ted next. Throwing the doors wide open for another half hour here at my house, Rosie on the House. For all of you Arizona homeowners, it's our goal every single Saturday, actually every single day of the year, to be your best friend. Even when we're not on air here at Rosie on the House, four hours every Saturday morning, we live at our website, rosieonthehouse.com. And uh, we've answered every question we've ever been asked on air over the last 30 years and put them into an encyclopedia that you can access for free any time you want. That's at the website, rosieonthehouse.com. We're talking a little bit today based on our calendar we have printed. That we're going to be talking about outdoor living, which January just happens to be, particularly a mild January like this, you know, a fantastic time to spend time out in your yard. And we've covered the outdoor living concept from various different angles all month long, and we're wrapping that topic up this week by talking about ways to make your yard more sustainable. We've been talking about xeriscaping your house and 
plant things that are native to the area or do well in the area. Don't plant any one of the toughest things that we've listed that you need to grow. We've talked about shade trees as far as native the native mesquites and palo verdes, as well as the ash, the elm, the pistache, and the oak. But other vertical landscaping features you could plant that provide a little shade. <laughs> well, we were just thinking about things you might be tempted if you want to grow things that are from our desert. You just need to be careful if you're considering a saguaro. Um, saguaros have to be permitted in order to move them. In most cities, you can move them around your yard, but in some cities, uh, you can't even move them within your yard without a permit. So you want to be sure and check out what the code is in your area. About is, You can move a, a saguaro pretty successfully if you hire a company. Of course, you need somebody who can handle the weight. The weight of a saguaro is tremendous. Yes, it and, is. and it will involve maybe keeping water from that saguaro for a while because it would be so heavy in order to move. But they, they dig out under it and and put it up on this truck and a little gurney and, yeah so and a little sore gurney right and if somebody tries to sell you a, a sore make sure that they have a permit to go with it interesting thing about a sore any and a barrel cactus the same way you have to mark which side of the cactus faces south and when you replant it it has to be orientated the same place i had forgotten that yeah <laughs> in, in order for it to do well yes right wow. So we'll cover a few more points about backyard, but we do have some people very patiently holding on the line who have called in and want to visit about their home in particular. So let's bring Bob calling from Tucson, and then we've got Kurt and Ted waiting in line. Bob. Hey, Rosie, I have a question about your old super cooling stuff. Yes, sir. Yeah, there's another technology called pre-cooling. I've spoken to you about this before, but, you know, out in California, they've been doing lots of work on evaporative cooling ahead of your air conditioner and they got some good results can i email you some stuff yes absolutely now what it, it there's a lot of testing going on all over the country about things innovations that revolve around air conditioning but yeah that's what, a big one i mean like dillinger said go for the money that's where go, the energy is air conditioning that's right and there are a lot of innovations that we're seeing come out just know that if it works well in coastal San Diego, it may not work very well in Sonoran Desert Phoenix. Well, I'll give you that, but one thing's for sure. There's not too many places that see 30 days over 105 degrees in the summertime. That's absolutely true. Absolutely true. I would love okay, for you to you send stuff, but it's pretty interesting. And the bottom line is, you know, re upgrading an entire system is really big bucks. It, yeah, it certainly can be. Certainly and, can you be. know, if you can come up with a lower-cost solution, you know, it just seems to be logical. You know, some people should give this stuff a try. You send me whatever you've got. That's one of the great advantages of having the visibility we have at Rosie on the House is when very often, like we took a call at 8 o'clock, at, at uh, 9 o'clock this morning from the woman, Christine, I think, in Tucson with the overhead garage door problem. And then we had three people call in and say, this is what it is, this is what it is. So we've got access. We're kind of like the collection point for a lot of data. And with Jennifer and I on the airplane ride, we were just talking about just managing all the data and all the information can be just so huge. So I welcome people sending me this kind of information. And there are all kinds of very creative air conditioning solutions going on. You know, one of the more creative that i saw which isn't available on the market right now 
but is in development stage, is a two-cylinder natural gas compressor that you attach to your electric panel outside. And it generates, depending on the price of natural gas, it generates electricity using two alternators right off right off the O'Reilly Auto Parts part shelf. Uh, it generates enough power to run most homes. Are they using at, that technology anywhere now? At about Well, it's in development right now. And they do that for about $0.08 cents a kilowatt. It would seem to me, it would seem to me, to you? That Southwest Gas would be spending the money to invest in that. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and develop Let's those get this generators. going, yeah. But there's other, there's other technology out there as well. The one that really, really intrigues me, Bill, is that, I'm sorry. Bob. This is Bob. That uh, intrigues me is, see, I'm, I'm getting used to this Google Documents thing. They have air conditioning in the Middle East, now I'm talking about like Saudi Arabia, you know, that, that Middle East, not Cleveland, uh, not Kansas City, where you actually take hydro, hydraulic lines and you bury them 40 feet under your house in coils. And then these lines go through the floor of your house, the walls of your house, and the ceilings of your house. And no matter where you are, either in Siberia or Saudi Arabia, that deep into the ground is a pretty constant temperature. They're keeping homes. There, there was one pilot home being built out in Santan Valley. You just circulate this hydraulic material through all the surfaces of your home. Year-round, it keeps your home at 72 degrees. Isn't digging 40 feet in Kalichi pretty expensive? In Kalichi, it could be very expensive. But in other types of soil, the decomposed granite, the alluvial wash that we have in a lot of areas, uh, it isn't that expensive. The expensive part is, and so then what you do while you're circulating this fluid, you have actual thermostats in each room that tells you how much of the fluid to circulate into that particular room. And you're doing it all with the same amount of energy it takes to power a 40-watt light bulb. Pennies. Pennies. You wouldn't have an air conditioning bill. You wouldn't have Luke, a heating bill. Let's go shopping. The expensive part isn't digging the hole. The expensive part is there isn't a bank or mortgage company on the world that will put a mortgage on your home in Arizona without a conventional air conditioner on it. So you have to then spend the money to do that and the money to buy the air conditioning system, which you will never use. Well, that's right now, though. That's right now. There's so maybe as, the test come, maybe as the tests come in on these uh, homes, it'll get uh, uh, more well accepted, and the mortgage companies will start loaning money on it. So, Bob, we appreciate it. Again, we welcome all the information. We do get a flood of information. Sometimes it is a bit of a challenge to keep up with all of it, but we try Let's see if we can welcome Kurt into the conversation. We're going from air conditioning to bugs. Good, hey, good morning, morning, Kurt. Um, so my wife has been asking me to seal up the house to prevent bugs from entering, and um, I really don't know how to go about doing that. Kurt, depending on how particular she is and what she means by sealing up to keep the bugs up, 
it, it's virtually impossible to keep everything out. And part of the reason for that is even when we have the weather stripping on our exterior doors, perfectly fit in one season of the year, as we change seasons and the door or the jams move just from the change in temperature, they need to be constantly adjusted. One of the things I can tell you a lot of people do, is it a stucco home? Yeah. Okay. And when was it built? Uh, it's 12 years old. 12 years old. Cool. So when when we poured the concrete foundation for that house, then we laid the sole plate for the framing, the 2x4, the 2x6. We created a joint in between that concrete, the top of the stem wall, and the bottom of the sole plate. That's a notorious area for critters to get in. And when we then laughed the house, we put what was called a piece of J-mold down, and we nailed it to the base plate and the stud, and we hung it down past the concrete level just about about an inch and a half or so. And then we put the foam in board in there. Then we stretched the chicken wire. Then we stuck it. That little piece of J-metal has holes drilled in the bottom because stucco's not waterproof. We must allow the water that it absorbs in a rainstorm to get out somewhere. There are some pest control companies that actually caulk those holes closed. That is horrible. So make sure that doesn't happen. But... You can lay down on your back, and it's hard to do, but you can lay down on your back and caulk between the concrete and the J-mold, but don't seal those holes that occur about every six inches. They must stay open. So that's one area that a lot of bugs get in. Now, it's a lot of work to do what I just told you. The pest control companies that are ROSI certified know how to create a chemical barrier there so that the the critters don't want to come in. But then every single time you open the door and leave it open while you make two or three trips out to the car to empty the grocery bags, you know, you violated that. Uh, There's vent pipes, plumbing vent pipes. There's electrical receptacles on the outside wall that have little travel corridors to get inside your house. So depending on how particular she is, uh, it's impossible to seal your home for any and all bugs. Diatomaceous earth around every around the perimeter does a lot, I think. It does do a lot. It, you have to keep it down, yeah. and every time the wind blows or it rains, you have to lay more down. But I know people that fight scorpions in particular at their home that keep a little cup of diatomaceous earth, uh, right food grade if you have pets, and they constantly keep a little stream of diatomaceous earth right on the step outside all all the doors of the house because that's you know one of the areas that make it easy for a scorpion to get in so all kind of tricks kurt but boy if you're trying to seal a house perfectly tight to keep any and all bugs out i'm gonna tell you you have your work cut out for you right there okay we appreciate the call we've got ted we've got carrie we have an open line for you if you want to try and sneak in before we have to sign off here in about another 15 minutes. The number is one 767 It's Rosie on the house. And as we sign off here in about 15 minutes, I don't want you all to get scared. And don't get nervous. You can always still find us at rosieonthehouse.com. And remember, 
Whatever questions we've answered for the last 30 years, the answers are all there. There's a little, a very little dirty secret I'm going to let you in on. If y'all all use the website, we wouldn't have to have a radio show. How boring would that be? <laughs> we'll be back. There's some easy listening music right there. If that doesn't automatically get your toe to start tapping, man, that sounds good. What a fool believes. Well, I believe here at Rose on House, we're doing all we can to become every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Let's see if we take the last call of the day. Ted's been very patiently waiting for us. Let's bring him into the conversation. Ted, welcome to my house, Rosie on the house. Well, it looks like Ted's not there. Okay. okay. Well, Ted, want, Ted wanted to talk about uh, mold on shingles at his cousin's house in New York. <laughs> so, it's going to be kind so, of tough, huh? Well, you know, <laughs> like I was asking Jennifer the other day, why am I seeing the Rosie on the House calendars being mailed to Vermont and Oklahoma? But uh, if, anybody, if, they, if you want them, we'll send them to you. That's for sure. That we'll best right friend on. motto sticks. That know? best friend motto sticks. That's right. You know, again, driving the topic of today is our published calendar that we have for free for all, anyone who would like one. Have you seen all these orders coming in for calendars for people who don't like to use the computer? So they're calling in and asking. So that's perfectly acceptable. If you don't want to email us at rosieonthehouse.com to get one, you can also call in and just give us your calendar, I mean your address, and we'll send you one. Well, I'll tell you one thing. For people that do like to use their computer, mm-hmm. The calendar is like the threshold to a whole new realm of information Mm -hmm. that we're going to be bringing the Arizona homeowner. So I'm going to encourage those of you who haven't been particularly fond of working with computers that we, we may be the incentive you needed because we're there building literally a, a monument of information for all of Arizona homeowners to have for free to protect you and keep you from making a mistake in and about or around your house, home, castle, or cabin. And those links for each, as you look through the calendar, the links for each broadcast come live as we develop it. And so today, probably by tomorrow, um, you'll find the podcast from today and the article, the blog, all those things are linked right to the calendar. So you don't have to go digging around. And so the topic of this month is outdoor living. We've covered that from every different angle each Saturday of January. We're concluding today, this last Saturday of the month, with five ways to make your desert yard more sustainable. We've talked about xeriscaping and what that means. Plant what's easy to grow, not what's tough to grow, that requires little to no water. Picking your shade trees appropriately, planting your saguaro cactus. The other thing is permeable pavers. We talked in great detail about that two weeks ago with Nathan Angel from Belgard Pavers. And they now make pavers that take the surface water that's falling from the sky and running across your yard and actually migrate that water back into the water table, back into the soil at your property. And that's a big part about drip irrigation and sprinkling. And I want to talk about, you know, rain harvesting. And I'm going to tell you why we don't see a lot of it in in the desert if if you'll take the square footage of your roof area okay and multiply that by uh points well what you do is you take one inch of rain times 
0.623. And you multiply 0.623 times the area of your roof. So if you've got 3,000 square feet of roof, counting the garage and the patios and, and everything else, you, you may only have a 2,000 square foot home, but it's very livable, but it's very probable that that 2,000 square foot livable space is a 3,000 square foot roof area that the bird sees when he flies over your house or the rain hits as it's falling from the sky. For a 3,000 square foot home, you're going to generate about 1,000 gallons of rain every half inch of rain. So a half inch of rain will give you 1,000 gallons. That's 20 50-gallon drums. So it's a pretty good amount of water. So in Phoenix, where we'll get nine inches of rain, that gives us 18,000 gallons of water a year. That's about as much as a swimming, swimming pool. pool. That's right. That's just a, It just about will fill a swimming pool if we harvest it off our roof. Now, most of you use about 10,000 gallons of water, a family of four in, in the desert, will use about 10,000 gallons of water a month. And let's say your water bill is a hundred bucks, so you're going to harvest two hundred dollars worth of free rainwater by putting a harvest equipment package on your house, which includes gutters and storage facilities and all that. It isn't going to be where we only get nine inches of rain a year, an investment that's going to give you much of a return anytime soon, because you're only saving two hundred bucks. A year. But when you have all these years of drought, it might do good things for your conscience, right? You have to be committed to the sustainable lifestyle to harvest and then store and then use those 18,000 gallons of water. It feels good to use rainwater. You know, yes, I, it does. I put on Facebook, I put a post up on Rosie on the House Facebook page of some resources for all across Arizona where you can go to find out. What it, what it involves to harvest water. There's all kinds of classes put on by Tucson uh, City Government and Phoenix City Government. And watershedmanagement.org has a fabulous website. goes back and forth between both places with events plans. So you can go and learn and see if that's really something you're interested in. And strictly speaking, harvesting rain is more than just catching the rain from the sky. It's catching the water as it runs across your property and diverting it and storing it and collecting it in and around the areas that need it the most. All right, that's a wrap-up for another week of Rosie on the House. Till we're on again next Saturday morning, you can find us at rosieonthehouse.com.